Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Hey everyone, I'm here before the episode starts to bring you learning moments with Amy. Now that I've been podcasting and advocating for a few years, my understanding of endometriosis, as well as the issues that our community faces, well, they've really evolved and progressed over the years. So I've been going through our earliest episodes because I want to make sure that these earliest published episodes have accurate information in them. So first thing in this episode is that even though we clearly say in the introduction that there is no endometriosis diet and that the way that we eat to feel our best is individual, I noticed listening back that the language that we used still subconsciously upheld an idea that there is a specific endometriosis diet. And so throughout this episode, I kept referring to the endo diet instead of saying something like my specific diet or my way of eating or my endo diet. And so by using the instead of my when saying endo diet, it sounds like we're declaring that there is like one and only diet for endometriosis, like the endo diet. But again, there's not, right? So it is all very, very individual. So I just want to point out that was really a poor language choice on our part. And I just wanted to reiterate that there is no endometriosis diet and that it is very specific to each person how we eat to feel our best. And then the other thing that I want to point out in this episode is that we often said special diet. And we said that when we were referring to the diet that we were following because of our health conditions. So, for example, we said, like, I'm on a special diet, so I don't eat X food. But as we've been learning more from the disability community, we've really gotten away from using the word special. So things like special diet or a special routine that I do for my health. Instead, if I have to put an adjective there, I usually put the word specific. So I'll say like, oh, my specific diet or my specific routine. And this is because my access needs for my illness or for my disability are not special. They just are. And they deserve to be accommodated for. So the word special has this connotation behind it like, it's something just for me, right? Like it's this one-off thing, like this special diet, this like diet that's just for me because I can't do quote-unquote normal stuff. I can't eat quote-unquote normal food. But with my language, I don't want to uphold the idea that there is a quote-unquote normal way to eat or a quote-unquote normal routine because we all have different needs. 
And even if my specific diet or my specific routine is not the most common one, it still deserves respect and to be met and accommodated for. And not, for example, made fun of or invalidated or called a fad or a trend or whatever. All right, thanks for joining Learning Moments with Amy, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today we're going to talk about mindset and limiting beliefs around our dietary choices, because Brittany is full of limiting beliefs. Excuse me? (laughs) So for Brittany's sake, we did an episode previously on this topic, and which we also recommend that you check out if you haven't already, but... Alas, as Brittany is still struggling. Not me. I'm perfect. I feel like you're projecting here <laughs> because I don't recall having to talk you off of a ledge over a candy cane or anything like that. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who has the food struggles. Shh, Brittany, those are private affairs that are not meant to be shared with the podcast people. So in this episode, we're going to help Brittany out by, <clears throat> and Amy, I guess, I suppose we're going to help. Both Everyone of us. Yes, <laughs> anyone, anyone who is choosing to follow a special diet for their health. We hope this episode will help motivate you to keep on that path because we know that following a special diet can be really hard. So today we want to explore what we believe about ourselves and what are some of our limiting beliefs around our dietary choices and food. As we talk through this episode, for the sake of consistency, we're just going to refer to the endo diet. So you may be following a gluten-free diet or a sugar-free diet or the paleo diet or the low FODMAP diet or any one of the many, many infinite amount of food choices that you could be following. But for the sake of consistency, we're just going to refer to the endo diet during this episode. We want to clarify that there is no actual endo diet or endometriosis diet. There is no correct way to eat with endometriosis. As people, we should eat nutrient-dense food that makes us feel good and doesn't lead to disordered eating patterns. So if you're down to eating very few foods because, you know, all food makes you sick, If you're just eating, for example, rice or chicken or toast every day, then we do recommend that you reach out to a nutritionist to help you introduce foods back into your diet. And we've mentioned this before, but working on our gut health can immensely, immensely help us when it comes to digestive problems. Things like digestive enzymes, supplements to help stomach acid, addressing SIBO or gut dysbiosis, getting tested for food intolerances. And so much more can really help us to have less symptoms and better digestion. And for many people, what helps them feel their best with endometriosis is an anti-inflammatory diet. And we do have a really good episode coming up on tips for lowering inflammation via diet and lifestyle. But there is no one way to eat to feel our best. What we eat is very individual and may depend on our health conditions, culture, our religion, and so much more. So for simplicity's sake, even though we will say the endo diet throughout this episode, we are using this term to speak about any of the dietary changes you put in place to help your endo symptoms. Be that gluten-free, low histamine, paleo, no nightshades, low FODMAP, etc. So my, quote, endo diet is not the same as Amy's, quote, endo diet which is not the same as your, quote, endo diet or anyone else's. So when we do say endo diet, 
We are saying it with quotes every time. And we definitely aren't referring to diet culture or eating for weight loss at any time throughout this episode. We think it's also important to acknowledge that sometimes when we're stirring up these limiting beliefs and thinking about them and kind of encountering them and confronting them in some ways, it can bring up a lot of feelings and emotions in us. No, Brittany, I don't want to feel any feelings. I want to confront the feelings. I don't want to have any emotions. <laughs> oh, God. Heartless. Don't make me. I just want to be cold inside. Okay, well, that's very not you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, confronting these feelings, these beliefs, can make us feel upset. Or I don't want to cry. It can make us feel angry. I don't want to throw things. Oh, <laughs> It can make us feel disappointed in ourselves or frustrated. I don't want to break my diet and eat ice cream as comfort food. Mm, Ice cream, though. (laughs) Well, it's okay if these feelings come up while you're tackling these limiting beliefs. It's okay to experience those feelings. You're right. You're right. Everyone, Brittany and Amy always say, you got to feel your feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's how you process your feelings. Isn't that what Brittany and Amy always say? Yes, it is what Brittany and Amy always say. Why are we talking about them like they're not here? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes I listen to the podcast when I'm editing. I'm like, is that me? (laughs) Who is that? Who are those people? God, am I really that funny? Funny looking. (laughs) No, you're beautiful on the inside and outside. And you're also hilarious. Thank you, Brittany. (laughs) On the podcast and off. Yes, in all facets of your life. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say while I'm comforting Amy... Well, say it faster. ...is that it's normal to feel these feelings, and it takes time and practice to confront them and break them. So give yourself patience. Give yourself time. Okay, Brittany. So in order to listen to this episode, do I have to have a special diet? Of course not. Mm, Okay. I have endometriosis. Do I have to follow a special diet? Definitely not. Oh, thank goodness. I mean, I follow one, but (laughs) But you don't have to. But I don't want to. I mean, (laughs) but what if I didn't? Deciding whether to follow a special diet is entirely up to you and a choice that you have to make for your own body. It's 100% up to yourself. So there is no reason to judge people for following a special diet or not following a special diet. This is a judgment-free zone. Oh, thank God. Can I pass gas if that's... Okay. (laughs) We're talking about food, (laughs) not open range on bodily functions. (laughs) This is a judgment-free zone. So if you don't agree with some of the views or choices that we make, that's okay. Who would dare not to agree (laughs) with you and I? Anyone. (laughs) Keepers of the special diet wisdom and knowledge. Well, I think that's sometimes how some people feel, like they are the ultimate keeper of what is appropriate for a certain kind of diet. And as a result, sometimes they can get a little judgmental of others. But that's not what we're seeking to do here. No one person knows what's the best for another. So you're saying I should check my righteous attitude outside of this box? Absolutely. So many of us with endometriosis do end up following a special diet because endo is a condition. Among many, many, many things that it causes, it can also cause chronic inflammation. Endo's favorite thing to do is be constantly inflamed. (laughs) (laughs) Endo needs to self-examine its own limiting beliefs. (laughs) I agree with that. (laughs) Right? It needs to calm down. It needs to look in the mirror and be like, I'm okay. 
I don't need to get all inflamed for no reason. (laughs) So Brittany and I have mentioned many times that it's not easy to follow a special diet. You know, I'm paleo and I've been paleo for 14 years and now I'm paleo low histamine, which is even more complicated than being paleo was. Lucky. Thank you. I love making everything really complicated (laughs) in my life. Like, if something is easy, I'm just, like, rejected. No. Need the harder version, please. No. I'm sorry. They're like, here, ma'am, you can have a seat. And I'm going to get on the airplane. And they're like, here, ma'am, we just have this random seat open up in first class. And since you happen to be walking by it, you can sit there. I'm like, no, please. I need you to tell me the airplane is completely full. Strap me to the wing, please. (laughs) I'm going to have to ride in the bathroom, (laughs) on the toilet. You put a... Special seatbelt in there for me. They're like, no, ma'am, but first class, this seat is open. I'm like, I, no, no, it's not. It's not. It can't be. It's too easy. It's too comfortable. Give it to. Give me something hard. Give me a challenge. You play life on extreme mode. That's what you do. <laughs> I play life on endo mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in my red convertible, zoom, zoom, zipping from here to there. <laughs> I only wish I could be that cool. And Brittany, we all know her sub story, gluten-free Cecilia. (laughs) That was a whole sub story about your low histamine. We just went on a five-minute tangent about your sob story. (laughs) Oh, my sob story. You want to talk about my sob story, Amy? My sob story is that I'm a gluten-free vegetarian who's low-carb. That's my sob story. Oh, God. (laughs) That's a good sob story. Also, I have a lot of weird random allergies that just show up out of the blue. (laughs) Brittany, please don't ever talk to me about weird random allergies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm commiserating with you, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. Thank you. So why do we call it our sob stories? Well, society does not make it easy for us to follow a special diet. Food is everywhere. People love commenting on what you're eating, on your special diet, on the lunch you brought in. Food is wrapped up in our identity, our identity and culture. Another thing, very often we turn to food to comfort us, to soothe us, to have self-comfort and self-soothing. Also, food is a way to bond socially. Food is the enemy! Ah! (laughs) Plot twist! (laughs) Just kidding. Food is not the enemy. We love food. It's not good to think that food is the enemy. Food is good, but there are just so many reasons why eating food is much more complicated than just here's what's on my plate that I'm going to eat to put substance in my body to help my body make new cells. There's just so much more to the picture and to the plate. So if you're choosing to follow a special diet, how can we make it easier? That's what we're here to explore today. And I know I've talked before on the podcast about the problems that I've been having with histamine and mast cell, but basically food is a huge way that you can get histamine into your body and histamine can cause all kinds of reactions. And some of the reactions were splitting migraine, hives, insomnia that happened hours later, but eating something caused me not to sleep the entire night. And then Also, certain foods were causing anaphylaxis, but it wasn't like one food. It's not like, oh, every time I ate nuts, I got anaphylaxis. It was every time the histamine got too high, I had anaphylaxis. So today the histamine could have got too high because I ate nuts, but tomorrow I could eat nuts 
and not have high histamine, but I could then eat blueberries and that would raise my histamine. So I was basically at risk of having anaphylaxis from anything that I ate if the histamine bucket got too high. It was like histamine roulette. Every time you ate something, (laughs) you never knew if you would need to shoot your EpiPen into your thigh. What a fun game to play every day. Honestly, I don't recommend it. I think it's better to play like solitaire, <laughs> okay, all right. chess. It's not such a high-risk game, I guess. <laughs> During all of this, I've really had to learn to let go of my cravings. I've had to get rid of all snacks. I used to love to indulge in <sighs> a little bit of dark chocolate a couple squares a day. That was my best friend. <gasps> Sorry, Brittany. (laughs) My comfort food, my go-to was every day eating a couple of squares of chocolate. And chocolate is a no, 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 no. High in histamine. I've had to overhaul my entire diet. And it's really given me an inner look at myself and at the way that I interact with food and the emotional experience that I have around food. So I'm not going to lie. Histamine problems suck. Endo sucks. Histamine problems suck. It sucks to eat something and have raging cramps because you ate something. It sucks to eat something and have relentless diarrhea. It sucks to eat something and get a splitting migraine. It sucks to eat something and go into anaphylactic shock and need to shoot your EpiPen and then march your way to the urgent care. It sucks. The past year has sucked. (laughs) But I think I have learned that Really, the purpose of eating, like when I cut away all the other reasons, I was like, I have to eat because I have to stay alive. If I didn't have to stay alive, I would not eat. Food would not have gone in my mouth. I think it's really sad that a common experience we have when we follow a special diet is that we feel like it sucks and it feels like we miss out on so many things. I don't think it sucks, Brittany. Yeah, oh, the past two minutes didn't didn't make it sound like you think it sucks at all. I think food being so societal and being so ingrained in who we are as humanity, when we can't participate in things like going for pizza and beer with our friends on the weekend, we internalize that as this sucks and everything about this is so terrible and everything I eat makes me sick and I have no options and I feel like I'm left out of things and I feel so isolated. And all those feelings are really valid and real feelings. But I think at some point, I had to learn anyway, and I know Amy did too, that continuing to think that way didn't help us feel better about how bad it sucked. (laughs) So instead, we looked at it a different way and saying, instead of it sucking that I can't eat pizza and beer, I'm going to be grateful that because I didn't eat the pizza and beer, I'm not going to have a flare on Sunday morning. So, okay, so if I look at it that way, then instead of saying it sucks that I can't have that, I'm saying it's great that I didn't have a flare. So eating makes me healthy. Eating makes me feel better. Eating makes me not have splitting headaches or diarrhea or flares or cramps. Oh, my God. Eating doesn't make me die. What? (laughs) (laughs) You always have to come out with the number one reason. Okay, whatever. (laughs) One upper. (laughs) Sorry, Brittany. Get used to it. Okay, so what you're saying is every time I want to be like, this sucks or The commonly used phrase of mine, eating makes me feel sick. I should spin around in a circle. Click your heels three times. With my eyes closed. (laughs) And then say, 
eating makes me healthy. I mean, you don't have to spin around in a circle. You might feel a little bit like an idiot. But, <laughs> but don't you tell can me what I can want. and can't do. I will I spin around in a circle if I want to because I want to. <laughs> no, I want a physical motion to break the thought pattern. That could be a spin in a circle. For me, it was a big old deep breath because it felt also silly to say, food makes me healthy when I didn't feel like food made me healthy and I felt like food made me sick. But Brittany, food makes you healthy. Don't you know anything about how food works in the human body? She says while pointing to herself, quote unquote, Amy says to herself. No, but we all know that food does things when it comes into our body, right? Like I feel like even people who don't have issues with food know that. Brittany and I were in this heavy meeting around lunchtime where we were focused on like very brain heavy tasks like finance and numbers and Excel spreadsheets. And everyone was like, oh, my God, we're hungry. We should get pizza. So they ordered in pizza to the office to the meeting that room. And then everyone participated in the pizza. And then Brittany and I ate our lunches that we had brought from home. And the pizza looked really good, by the way. Like, I was like, I desperately oh, wanted there was mushrooms and cheese. I desperately oh. wanted. I wanted the, it smelled so good. I wanted good. the poured cheese. I was like, <laughs> someone hold me back. And I, I did. Like, I did hold her back. Hold me back, please. Hold me back. Oh, it was so, it looked so good. But after we ate the pizza, a lunch break was over and everyone was like, okay, let's get back to work. And everyone was slumped over in their chairs. Like, they people were in an hour had coma. their heads resting against their arm on the table, like all slumped over. And the productivity tanked. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was just like struggling to think. And Brittany and I were good since we had eaten our lunches. But, you know, the, what interested me was that while I was observing in an anthropological, non judgmental <laughs> way, just like, ooh, this is fascinating. One of the guys said, oh, why do we eat pizza? What were we thinking? That's not brain food. And then another one of the women was like, no, we really screwed this up. Like, we should not have done that. We should have got barbecue or salad or something. And so they were like, okay, next time we're going to do this better. And then they actually had to dismiss the meeting. Because nobody could pay attention. Come, and come, everyone was like, we're all in a food coma. We're in the after lunch slump. I mean, just using this kind of language that it was very indicative that they were all having trouble with their productivity because of what they'd eaten. So I think we know that food affects our body. And so knowing that food affects our body, like, what if we can turn that around, like Brittany said? And what if instead of always being like, this food makes me tired and this food makes me sick and this food gives me diarrhea? What if we find the foods? Like, I had to find the foods that didn't put me in anaphylactic shock, which I'll have to admit was few and far between, few and far between <laughs> until I found my doctor and started getting my life sorted out, my body sorted out, because that thing was in seriously bad shape. But. I think Brittany and I, we've been having to find the food that doesn't make us sick. So what if instead of, oh, I don't eat that because it makes me sick. What if we say, oh, yes, I eat that because that gives me energy. I eat that because I don't get brain fog when I have it. I think that was the biggest one for me was I was trying out all different kinds of foods. And it's okay to have a type of food and say, mm -mm, that didn't work for my body. But then not letting that dictate how you feel about your entire diet. So when I try something new and I have really bad cramps that period or really bad brain fog, I don't hold it as a feeling. I just approach it very matter-of-factly. That one didn't work for me. Let me try something else that will make me feel good and will make me feel healthy and will make me feel clear. And so it doesn't feel like I'm limiting myself. It feels like I'm putting things into my body that make me feel good. 
And I want to add for a minute that changing our diets hasn't gotten rid of all of mine or all of Brittany's symptoms. And of course, dietary changes don't treat endometriosis. So it's not like I change my diet and then, golly, now I feel great and all my problems are solved. No. But I do know that for me personally, and for Brittany too, our specific diets help us to better manage our symptoms. Like for me, the way that I eat makes my symptoms more tolerable. And because of that, it makes my life more livable. I still feel sick no matter what I eat, but some foods make me feel sicker than others, which conversely means that some foods help me feel better than others. So I'm learning to focus on the foods that help me feel my personal best. And yes, my personal best still includes brain fog and fatigue and full body pain and migraines and all the other great wonderful stuff that comes along with having multiple chronic illnesses. Having said that, my personal worst, which is how I felt before I changed my diet, well, my personal worst included way more symptoms than I have now, way more severe symptoms than I have now, and way more intolerable symptoms. And of course, I still have days where, in spite of eating well, I feel like an absolute pile of garbage, but that's because I have endo and multiple chronic illnesses, and our diets aren't magic, sadly. So my dietary changes overall help me feel my personal best. It helps me have more good days than bad. And considering how hard it is to cohabitate a body with a red dragon inside of it, I will take what I can get. All right, Brittany, I love what you said. I am pumped. I am ready. I am committed. I'm going to follow my special diet. I'm going to tame my endoflares. I'm going to have less inflammation. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to cure cancer and Whoa. I'm going to end poverty. Whoa, <laughs> that's a lot of commitments all at one time. Too many? Yeah, I think you need to start small. Don't crush my dreams, Brittany. Okay, but realistic goals are right. better than unrealistic goals. All right, realistically, I'm going to follow the end of diet, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling empowered. I'm feeling like, yes, I can do this because I'm going to eat to feel good. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat to feel good. And if I can do it with friends, even better. But the real goal is to eat so that my body can have the energy that it needs to help me feel the best that I can. So I'm going to do it, Brittany. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And as she does it, in comes self-sabotage. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. In the form of negative self-talk. It's the last thing we need right now. So negative self-talk. It sounds terrible because it is. But what is negative self-talk? When you talk to yourself negatively. I mean, essentially, yes. <laughs> Negative self-talk is the way that we talk to ourselves and like Amy so astutely and eloquently said, in a negative way. <laughs> when we talk to ourselves negatively, it actually can change the way we approach things. It can change the way we feel about the goals that we have. And it can cause us to give up things before we even start. Okay, for instance, so say we decided that Changing our diet is the right choice for our bodies right now, and we've decided to do that. Yes, I'm pumped and motivated. It is for me. You're yes, ready. I'm going to do it. 
we've made this goal, we've decided, but the negative self-talk creeps in. And that can sound something like, I don't know if I'm capable of following the endo diet, to be honest. So why do you feel like you're not capable on following through on the goal that you've made? Well, Brittany, because I tried for a few days and then I slipped up. I was like, oh, no big deal. Get back on the wagon. So then I tried again. And then the next day I had a piece of bread that my boyfriend was eating. It was really good. It was sourdough bread with yogurt on it, which is actually really delicious if you spread yogurt on bread. It tastes really good. This is a cooking show or... Sour yogurt, like full fat Greek, Greek yogurt. yogurt. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> and the next thing I know, it just every time I try to follow the diet, I end up screwing it up. Well, guess what? I'm a screw up. No, you're a human. I'm a big <laughs> pile of screw up. You're a human who makes mistakes and also makes... A lot of mistakes. Good choices. Too many mistakes. Not enough good choices. There's not such thing as too many. (laughs) Okay, well, say that to the empty bag of Oreos in my trash can. Okay, (laughs) Brittany, so... Okay, that might have been a couple too many, but like... Okay, yeah. That's what I... You see? The big pile of screw up. (laughs) So, first of all, we're not going to call them mistakes. Ooh. They're not mistakes. Ooh. You made a choice. The choice just happened to not align with the goal that you had, which was your endo diet. I understand that you think I made a choice, but I also felt like a little bit possessed by (laughs) the Oreos and that I had to keep eating them. I think that's a natural feeling, okay? (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the dopamine in my brain being like, give me another hit of Oreo. And I'm like, oh, God. Now I just see a giant Oreo in my head. What have you done? (laughs) Oh, God. Put put the full fat Greek yogurt on the Oreo and have diarrhea for hours. I was going to (laughs) say, but we've made a choice. And if we stop calling it a mistake, we can take away the judgment and guilt that we put on that. Oh, 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 what, what, what? What if instead of calling it a mistake, we call it, this just came to me. Oh, my gosh. I am a genius right now. Wow. The inspiration <laughs> is running high. Inspiration hit. Oh, my God. What if we call it a reminder? Ooh. Because what if you're right? I ate the cookies. I'm like, oh, God, I'm a loser. I'm the big pile of turd who ate the cookies. Or I'm going to have a big pile of turd because (laughs) I ate the Likely the second one, yeah. Yeah. But what if I'm like, ooh, this is just a reminder that my goal is to be on the endo diet, right? And so later when I ultimately have my big pile of turd because I ate all those cookies, instead of, like you said, instead of feeling guilty and judging myself, what if I just say, This is just my reminder of why I'm following this diet, right? This is my reminder of why I'm trying to make these healthy choices for myself. Yeah, the sole purpose of you choosing this diet is to not have things like urgent poos and flares and all of those lovely symptoms. So when a choice is made that happens to result in an unlovely symptom, it just can reinforce why we've made this choice. So use it as a good thing instead of seeing it as a bad thing. Yes. There are no more mistakes, only reinforcements. So what you're saying is I can follow the endo diet. And every time I have a reminder, I'm actually reinforcing me following it. So really, I am capable of following it. 
Absolutely. I should, I should just be patient with myself. Absolutely. And I like a birdie with a broken wing. It can't fly immediately once you <laughs> it needs tape to its heal. little wing to its body. <laughs> it needs several days. I don't know. How Weeks, many. months. I don't Weeks. Know. <laughs> well, that's why you have to be patient with yourself. And if you see every mistake as a cataclysmic event and that causes you to completely derail, then you're going to feel like you're not capable, but you are absolutely capable because we are powerful and strong enough to do anything we set our minds to. So we've already established that we are all capable of sticking to whatever diet we've chosen. Yes, I can do this. I'm pumped again. I'm motivated. I'm ready. I'm thriving. I'm going to cure cancer. we got to stay to the one (laughs) task at hand. So another way that we could be sabotaging ourselves with negative self-talk is, I don't know if I have the willpower to follow this diet. I know you said I'm capable. Like, yes, I am strong, powerful, and I am capable of what I put my mind to. But, oh, my God, willpower. They say there's only so much willpower in a day, and your willpower is limited, and you have less willpower when you're tired. And, of course, I'm tired because I have endometriosis, and I'm not sleeping very well because of all the pain flares. And so I'm just thinking that maybe my willpower is not very high. And that's why I polished off an entire bag of sour cream and onion potato chips. They taste so good. I swear I only wanted to eat one. I opened them. I was like, I will eat one. Whole bag. I was eating the whole bag like a zombie in the parking lot of the grocery store. As I drove home, I was like, oh, God, you're so good. And I couldn't even taste the flavor anymore. My mouth was maxed out, but I just kept moving the chip to my mouth. And then it went down. Help me, Brittany. Oh, my. Help me. You see how complicated this is? I'm a big pile of lack of willpower. Well, I have some good news. Willpower is essentially a habit. If you continue to reinforce that something you've made is a decision, like, I don't eat. Big bags of potato chips that are sour cream and onion flavor. Also that, but maybe broader. (laughs) Like, I don't eat gluten, for example. When you've made that decision and that is something that you continue to reinforce, at first it's going to be really, really hard and you're going to make reminders all over the place. (laughs) But when it becomes habitual, it will become part of your identity and it will become part of the choices that you make on a regular basis. And after a while, because you've exercised that and reinforced that and grown that part of your identity, you won't need repetitive willpower anymore. As a person who doesn't eat meat or doesn't eat gluten, if I'm offered a hamburger, I'm not even going to be tempted by it. I'm just going to say, ooh, that's no, the meat and you. the gluten. It's the a double whammy. Oh, God. I have no. And then they offered you like, what about, okay, what if you just eat the bun? And you're like, no, thank you. What if you just eat the patty? Double like, no, thank you. No, thank you. What if you eat it all together with cheese? You're Triple like, are no, you thank listening? You. I said no. They but put it under your nose. They're like, doesn't it smell no. aromatic? <laughs> aromatic. <laughs> but in the beginning, when I was trying those two things, yes, of course, that was hard because I was used to eating that. And that was something that was more normal for me. But it's become normal to not eat those foods. So I don't even have to have willpower. That's just a natural no thank you for me at this point. So what I've chosen to subsist of my diet I'm no longer having to struggle with the willpower, but it takes a long time. It can take days, months, years, depending on what you're trying to decide and is going to be in your diet and who you are. But it gets a lot easier as time goes on. 
I think one of the biggest negative self-talks when we first start charging towards this goal is, Brittany, it feels impossible to follow the endo diet. Impossible. Isn't that similar to saying you feel like you're not capable of following an endo diet? No, Brittany. I know that I'm capable because you said I was capable. We hammered that one home. I know that I'm capable. I know they all sound very similar, but it's because self-talk just really tries to get you with all these different angles. It's like, oh, you don't have the willpower. And they're like, yes, I do. And then it's like, oh, you're not capable. Yes, I am. Like, oh, well, then it's impossible. It's impossible for anyone. It's just totally, completely impossible. It's not able to be achieved. It's not reasonable. It takes too much time. It takes too much planning. And it's too much work. How do people follow this diet? I don't understand. They have all the time in the world. They have personal chefs. Oh, my God. (laughs) I want a personal chef. (laughs) That would be amazing. If I had a personal chef, I could follow any diet. I could do anything. (laughs) I would cure cancer. (laughs) We'd have the time for that. (laughs) Seriously. Okay, so I I see what you're saying. Negative self-talk that says it feels like it's impossible to do this can be really damaging because it can make you feel like there's not even a reason to try it and you can give up before you even start. So we're going to debunk some of that negative self-talk. So the first one you mentioned was it takes too much time. Oh, God. (laughs) It's grilling time. That's a food pun. (laughs) That was good, Brittany. Thanks. I want to have grilled cheese. I want grilled asparagus. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, we're back. Okay. So my question for you is, what do you do when you're not working? What do you do in your spare time? I like to watch shows on Netflix with my kitties in my lap while I pet them and they purr and they move their little tails in happiness. Mommy, I love you. Mommy, I love you. Is that what they say? With their tail. Yeah, their tail communicates. (laughs) Duh. If you knew anything about cats, you would have known. Thank God I'm a dog person. Jeez. I don't know how our friendship lasted this long. (laughs) What else do you do in your free time other than spend an inordinate amount of time with your cats? With my kitties, we look at social media together. (laughs) Knew that one was coming. (laughs) All right. What else do you like to do in your free time? Honestly, I'm going to go ahead and say that's, I mean, the podcast and reading. And I also like to take walks outside, long walks down the sidewalk. Romantic walk with your cats? It is with my kitty, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I I know. (laughs) Yes, we do go on walks together. So, yeah, I like to do many things in my spare time. Well, it sounds like you have a very robust spare time schedule. Are you going to write me a dating app profile? <laughs> is that is this investigative? Do you like pina coladas <laughs> for walks in the um, Alcohol free, virgin yes. pina colada, and getting walks in the, rain. in the rain. Hell no! <laughs> Nobody oh, wants a pneumonia. I'm not going to frizz this hair. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you have a really great social schedule. Social being yourself and your cats. But you said that you didn't have any time to devote to following your diet. But I noticed that you were able to find time to devote to social media, time to devote to extra long walks, time to devote to Netflix, time to devote to shopping. How do you find time for those things? I don't know, Brittany. You're kind of putting me on the spot here. I just (laughs) do. I just wake up and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to do that. Or I'm like, ooh, I got off work. Ooh, I'm going to do that because I want to do those things. 
Okay, so if you have time for a one-hour Netflix episode, do you have time for one hour of cooking? Well, not if I have to watch the Netflix episode. Duh, Brittany, (laughs) duh. Clearly not. You saw how jam-packed my social schedule is with my kitties. We're busy people. (laughs) We don't have time to cook our food because we got other things to be doing. Okay, so what I heard from that was... I want to watch the Netflix. I don't want to cook my food. So I prioritize watching Netflix with my kitties versus Mm. cooking for myself. Bing, bing, bing. I found you out. The truth revealed. (laughs) So I think that's very important to recognize. And I think in our society, we love to fill our schedules with every little thing possible. And we love to be busy, busy, busy with all of these hobbies and ways we fill our time. And it can be really hard to carve out time to do something like cooking if we don't make it an intentional choice and something that we choose to do and make time for. So when you wake up in the morning, being excited to watch Netflix and lay around in your bathroom and go for a long walk. God, you make it sound so scandalous. <laughs> it's actually really nice. People need to learn how to slow down and relax oh, and they have do. simple lives. But instead of just making time for all of those other fun things, also make time for including making your meals for the week, making your meals for that day. We have to schedule time for ourselves because it's really easy for time to slip away and just watching, oh, are you still watching? Netflix asks. And it's very easy to click yes instead of getting up and making Fine. our meals. Oh, Brittany. Oh, first of all, big eye roll towards Brittany. I'm rolling my <laughs> eyes right now. They're so far back in my head right now. Find Brittany, the voice of reason, who is always correct and who always knows what she's talking about. You're right. I have a hack for you, though. Ooh, 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 ooh. My favorite thing. You're right. I do have time. I just don't want to. So saying I don't have time is just like, it's just like an excuse that I put in so that I don't have to feel so guilty about not doing my goal. Because my goal is to cook for myself, but then I really don't want to. So then I... I'm like, ooh, I don't have time to do that. And then I'm like, oh, you see, I'm off the hook. I don't have time for that. But I do have time. It's You do have time. You just don't want to make the time. Oh, God. It. So how do I make the time, Brittany, when I don't want to make the time? Cooking is so overwhelming. Well, fortunately, it's not that hard. You can break it down into reasonable chunks, which makes it a lot easier. Doing it all at once, too hard. Reasonable chunks, much easier. So what I mean by that is... In one day, you plan your recipes for the week. In the next day, you actually do the grocery shopping. The day after that is when you cook for the week or cook for the day. So instead of doing that all at once, which is really overwhelming, especially at first, you start off small. Maybe you start transitioning. So you eat your regular, your previous diet, and you do that system to implement one meal that's following your new diet and you slowly wean yourself onto it. That's a really great option as well. And you can also find some hacks around it. So if you really like your Netflix shows, relatable, sometimes I'll watch Netflix while I'm cooking. Sometimes I'll listen to a book on tape while I'm cooking. So I can still do those other things that I enjoy doing, but I still get my cooking done. I still get my meals made. And it's not an unenjoyable experience because I've made special time for it. So it just takes a little bit of practice in tweaking your schedule, tweaking your day to get it done. Okay, so one of the other reasons you said it was too hard was because it's too much work to cook. So why do you think that it's too much work? 
Brittany, you got to get out of the bed. You got to do things. You got to roll up the bathrobe sleeves so they don't get dirty. <laughs> I mean, you lost me at getting out of bed, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I feel so, like, embarrassed, maybe. Like, I feel like just so the epitome of lazy. I'm like, I <laughs> lay in bed ourselves all for how day lazy we are. in my bathrobe and I just talk to my cats because I have no friends that I hang out with. And then I just binge watch shows. And then I'm like, ooh, get up and make food or eat a bag of chips. <laughs> ooh, pressure's on. <laughs> pressure's on. We all know what we oh, want to choose. What am I, I going <laughs> to? Kitties, pass mommy the bag of chips. <laughs> they bring, can you imagine the cat like puts its paw in the little baggie and like Here, mom. pulls it out and then puts it in their mouth without breaking the chip. That'd be um, a very gentle. Without thumbs. That's very impressive. That'd be a very gentle nibble on the chip to bring the full chip to you and they just like put it right in your mouth. I think that would be terrifying. But anyway. <laughs> also, I feel like you could get some like weird cat diseases. So yeah, hold probably on. not a good Note idea. Note to self, stop that behavior with cats. <laughs> stop eating out of cat's mouth. <laughs> Note to self, stop letting cats eat chip and putting it in mouth. <laughs> I think I need to call someone. <laughs> All right, Brittany. I'll admit, I do get out of bed. I do cook. I do abhor cooking. Even still, to this day, because, okay, peeling garlic. It's hard. It makes your hands stinky. The peel is always stuck to the garlic. You can never get that thing off. Well. And the cats don't like the smell of garlic, but they don't want to come hang out with mommy. And we're back to the cats. <laughs> well, Amy, there are tools that will help you peel the garlic. What? I know. Are you serious? I'm, I am totally serious. <gasps> I have been living under a rock all of this time. <laughs> I was unaware of this special garlic yeah, well, you peeling live with two cats. And they weren't going to tell you about it. Why didn't they tell me <laughs> withholding that kind of information from the hand that feeds them? They don't have your best interest at heart, clearly. They just want me to lay in bed with them. Yeah, fair. Well, there's a lot of gadgets out there. And one of the things that I hated the absolute most is probably what everybody else hates the most is chopping onions. It's literally the worst thing ever. But there's lots of gadgets out there to make it go faster, make it go cleaner, make it so you don't cry. So. I would say that, yes, it's a lot of work to cook, but if you also break it up in chunks and you say, okay, well, I'm making something really complicated as the main, so I'm going to make the sides really simple, or I really hate chopping onions, so I'm going to get a gadget to do that for ooh, me. Ooh, I'll tell you what I do. Interruption. Breaking news. What does Amy do? First, me and my cats get out the food processor. This has been a huge time saver for me. So I go to the grocery store and then I'm just put all the groceries away. I'm like, oop, I'm done for the day because. Small chunks, people, small chunks. Well, and also I feel like we joked and was like, oh, Amy's so lazy. But the truth is having endo is really hard. Like it's really tiring to be on your feet in the kitchen. It's really tiring to go to the grocery store and like be around all these people. And pushing the cart is some serious, hardcore ab workout when your endo is flaring. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, bring in the groceries and put them away. And it's a lot of work when you suffer with pain and fatigue. Like, it's a chore to go to the grocery store, and it is hard. So I like to go to the grocery store, put everything away, and then the next day, put on some music, pull out the food processor. The kitties sit on the bed until I turn on the processor, and then they run away. They really like, scram. noisy! I'm like, oh, buck up, kitties. It's just a little bit of noise. And what I do is then I chop or dice or slice or whatever I need to do. So I, I have all these Tupperwares, and I'll put in, like, basil, and I'll do the whole thing of basil. And 
you know, in 25 seconds, the whole thing of basil is ready and I'll put in a Tupperware and then I'll do the mint and then I'll do the parsley. Then I'll do the cilantro. And yes, I eat a lot of herbs because I cannot eat spices because of histamine. Herbs are tasty. So I put a lot of herbs on everything in, in lieu of spices to give it a little bit of flavor. But anyway, I do that with the onion and the mushrooms. And I basically then just fill my fridge with Tupperwares. Literally, like <laughs> you'll open the door. There's like, I would say like 20, 25 Tupperwares. Full of ingredients. <laughs> full of diced food. And then it becomes so easy for me to make a meal in the moment. Like if I'm like, ooh, I want a salad. I don't have to chop anything. I don't have to cut anything. I literally go, ooh, I need the Tupperware with the onions, the Tupperware with the tomatoes, the Tupperware with the basil. Pull it out. Put it in my salad. Done. Ooh, I want to make a chicken with these ingredients. Already cut. And that has been an enormous lifesaver for me. And I do find that by chopping the things in advance and putting them in Tupperware, they still last in the fridge a very reasonable amount of time, like several days. Because, you know, having a having an onion chopped up in the fridge or having a yellow pepper diced up in a Tupperware in the fridge, it lasts just as long as if I had the yellow pepper in the vegetable storage in the crisper drawer. So it's pretty great to put in that upfront time and then later make it so easy for yourself so that Every single time I want to make a meal, I don't have to every single time chop. Every It's like it's just done, one and done, easy peasy, choppy squeezy. <laughs> That's also why pre-planning your recipes can make it really easy because if you're in the moment and you're hungry, and you're like, I don't know what to eat. I have no ideas. I'm too hungry to look up a recipe. I have all my ingredients chopped and diced in the fridge, but I don't know what to make with them. Well, then it's really easy to sabotage yourself with that. So if you know ahead of time, here's the five recipes for lunches I've chosen this week. I'm going to just pick one of those and I'm going to make it. And then there's no time that you have to invest because you already did it up front. So you have the recipe, you have the ingredients. It just makes it so much easier on yourself. It's way less work when you've taken the brain work and done that ahead of time. So you don't have to think when it comes down to the moment of actually making your meal. All right, Brittany, this is what I want. What do you want, Amy? I want to be a cat. I want to go to my mommy, who I guess would still be me. That's, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> I want to be my own cat. I mean, I'm really good to my cat, so I don't want to end up in a, you in a household where they like. You want to be an animagus, so you can just become a cat when you want. Ooh, okay. So yes. I want to become a cat. I want to meow to my former self. I want to go meow. And then I go back to being myself, and I'm like, oh, my God, kitty's hungry. And then I pull out a can of food, pop it open. <laughs> Put it in a bowl, and I go, here, little kitty, and I put it on the floor. Boom. It's easy. Ten seconds later, the <laughs> meal is done. It's nutritious. It's perfectly filling. formulated for my body. It's got enough protein. <laughs> you see? That does sound pretty great, actually. God, I just need to become a cat. Like, how easy would it be? Okay, Amy, so we have conquered the it's too impossible, it takes too much time, it's too much work. Yes! Belief. Yes, I'm pumped again, so, I am motivated, I am ready, I'm going to do this. You feel capable. Note, I did not say I was going to cure cancer because you said I couldn't. <laughs> One goal at a time. I didn't you say you couldn't. One goal at a time. <laughs> so we have established we are capable. Yes. We have established that we can have the willpower. Yes. And we have established that it's not impossible. That's right. We can find the time. Woohoo! We can make the work easier. Yeah! I can so, do this with the help of a food processor, a cat, and some pre-planning. And not buying Oreos or salad <laughs> and onion helpful. chips. <laughs> also, that's helpful. 
So, Amy, what is another negative self-talk that you have surrounding following your goal? Is this a trick question? Like, am I supposed to be like, I've run out. They're all dried no, up. I don't think I they don't are. have anymore. I know there's more in there. I know. I have endless. <laughs> endless to infinity. I love negative self-talking myself. I'm not saying I should or that I love that I do it, but I'm saying my brain loves telling me that I'm an awful person. And my brain also loves telling me what a screw up I am. And my brain also loves telling me that I am incapable of doing things. And my brain also loves calling me a big pile of turd. Wow. Your brain's a toxic relationship and we need to break you up. I know. I, (laughs) for many years, I had a very toxic relationship with my mind. Hence why I love meditation because it's really, really, really helped with that. But I guess I would say the biggest, I guess we saved the biggest and the best for last or the worst for last. I don't know. But I guess the one that my brain hammered home the most was that it was just too restrictive. Like it's just so restrictive. I cut out gluten and sugar. Dairy. Ooh, dairy. <laughs> dairy. Your blessed cheese. <laughs> dairy. Pull yourself together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and that feels restrictive. Cutting out all the things you used to eat. Cutting out the cinnamon raisin bread and the cinnamon toast crunch. I see a cinnamon theme happening. <laughs> But what I've learned is that if you put sweet potatoes in slices in the oven and you bake it at 400 and they come out crispy like potato chips, then you put cinnamon on those with coconut oil. And that tastes very good. See, look what you just did right there. Oh, what I do, what I do. You substituted something that wasn't within your diet to something that would, that would power your brain, but still have lots of flavor. I did that, Brittany. You did. You're growing. Oh, my, thank you. I think it's fair to feel like the diet might be restrictive, especially at first and depending on what diet you're starting from. If you have a diet that is high in some of the items that you are choosing to no longer eat, it can feel like you're eliminating so much of your diet. I think at first for me, I felt like I was eliminating so many things that I actually forgot about how many things I could still also eat. So I cut out a lot of foods that were normal, and I felt like I was cutting everything out, and I felt like I had to let go of everything that I once loved. <gasps> Dramatic. But <laughs> but there was actually so many things that I could eat. I was just focusing on the things that I couldn't. So I felt like everything was restrictive for Ooh, me. Ooh, the dreaded mistake. <laughs> Focus. Ha! Now I get to belittle Britney. Oh, no! <laughs> I played myself! <laughs> I wasn't belittling you. I think that was a little bit of negative self-talk. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're, Exposed. Yeah, you're, you're true. You're encouraging and motivating me and helping me realize ways that I self-sabotage and that I talk myself out of doing things through beliefs that I have that are not true. Is that right? Welcome to being a human. <laughs> so because I felt that way, because I felt like there was nothing I could eat. I had to take a gradual approach. So I had to ease my way into it. So I felt like there was nothing I could eat. So I had to sit down and figure out what I could eat. And it was trial and error because some of the things didn't work for me personally. So you're going to have to try some things out, which is why slow and steady is a really good approach. First, I actually started with my breakfasts. So I said, okay, I'm going to leave everything else the same, but I'm going to figure out breakfasts that don't give me cramps and diarrhea one hour after I eat them. 
So that was where I started, and I just did breakfasts for just a uh, month. The beloved dream. Uh, no diarrhea one hour after eating? Yeah. Because remember, <laughs> eating doesn't make us sick. Eating makes us healthy. Yes. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Eating makes me healthy. Eating makes me sick, and then I'll, like, cross it off. <laughs> the double cross off. Eating yeah. makes me healthy. And then the cross off healthy. Be like, eating makes me- Oh, no, no. <laughs> Not cross off healthy. Oh, no, no, no. And then there'll just be a picture of a cat. Eating makes me cat. No, but I did have to do it really slowly and really gradually because I did have that self-limiting belief that everything was making me sick. There was nothing I could eat. So I had to prove to myself by eating things that I could eat that didn't make me sick that these foods made me healthy. And these foods were plentiful and bountiful and I could eat as many of them as I wanted. So I started slow with breakfast and then slowly it became breakfast and lunch. And then breakfast, lunch, dinner. And over the course of six months to a year, I was able to ease myself into making my whole diet. Oh, I love the transition you just described. Brittany's self-transformation, Brittany's food self-transformation transition kind of made me think about, you had said when you were getting your breakfast that you realized that not all the foods make you sick. It is true that at the time when I was really, really sick in college, it is true that everything made me sick. That is true. But everything wasn't going to make me sick forever. And so that was really important to learn. And so when this whole histamine thing happened and all of a sudden every food made me sick, no joke, no exaggeration, I knew, okay, even though every food is making me sick right now, if I work on the causes of the histamine problem, I can get foods back. I have to go low histamine. But over the next couple of months, I've managed to bring back a lot of things into my diet, even things that are considered high histamine. Some of those things I'm able to eat now because I was able to work with the functional medicine doctor and heal my gut bacteria and work on my hormones, which are all out of whack. Thank you. Surprise, surprise. One ovary. Do your job already. (laughs) My goodness. But I'm able to get a lot of things back. So I think that's another really important thing is not thinking that everything is going to make me sick forever. And we always like to remind you that if you're going to change your diet or do an elimination diet, for example, then you should definitely speak to your doctor about your own health situation before doing this. And it can also be helpful to consult a registered dietitian. Our food gives us energy and provides us with the nutrients and the vitamins and the amino acids and the proteins and the building blocks that we need to live. So it's important that we're eating a variety of nutrient-dense foods to get everything that our body needs. So this leads to a really great point, which is something called the 80-20 rule. So what a lot of people do is they take that time to kind of even keel the stomach. (laughs) So you get onto the, these are the foods that make me healthy. You can start to hopefully reduce some of the flares or other symptoms. And once you have that established, you can then start to bring in some of the foods that may be really special or enjoyable to you, but would not be something that you'd consume regularly. So you mean like a special delicious treat? Yes. Like an entire pint of ice cream every Saturday? Uh, I mean, that's a little more than 80-20. <laughs> so you mean like a small bowl of ice cream? 
Yes. Every Saturday. I mean, like a serving of ice cream. Mm, but not every day. Not every day. Because we're saying 80-20. 80-20, which, I mean, who doesn't want to have ice cream every day? But that could set you up for a really rough period, whereas having one serving of ice cream a week could have maybe less effect. So what you're saying is I can still enjoy many of the foods that I cherish and love. It's delicious. Oh, the dopamine. Give it to me in my brain. Give it to me. Pull yourself together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. So what you're saying is that I can enjoy a treat every once in a while, but not all the time. Yeah, because the food we eat, as we all know, has effect on our body. So we can choose to have a treat knowing that there could be consequences on our pain level or how our body handles our cycle. But if we're doing it in an 80-20 kind of ratio... Hopefully, the effect would be minimal compared to if we were eating it regularly. So 80% of the time we're eating ice cream rather than 20% of the time we're eating ice cream is going to have a very different effect on how our body feels throughout the month. So we choose to eat these things in moderation because we choose to limit the effects they have on our bodies. So you can bring some fun stuff back in, some stuff that's really important to you as a person from your culture, from your family. But just do it on a moderated level. So to clarify, Brittany, when you say 80-20, are you talking about having a cheat day or like a cheat meal or a cheat snack or a cheetah? Okay. Like okay. a live cheetah with Whoa. spots Whoa. as a pet? No, no. <laughs> no. No exotic animal captivity, please. But also, no, I am taking a huge stance against the term cheat day. Cheat meal, cheat anything. Because cheat has such a negative connotation. Cheating can make you feel like you've done something wrong. Well, is that because when you hear the word cheat, you feel like you're doing something immoral, like you're doing something bad? Exactly. So I want to take a stance against that term because when you label something a cheat day or a cheat meal, You have guilt surrounding that. You feel bad that you've made that choice, but you shouldn't. If you're making the decision intentionally to have something, there should be no guilt surrounding that. You haven't done something wrong because you've decided to eat a certain food. I feel like if we're intentionally making a choice, then that eliminates the judgment around it. Because for me, I feel like my negative self-talk, I mean, they say like, It comes from the critic, quote unquote, the critic in your head or the quote unquote judge in your head. And so eliminating the word cheat, I think the judge in my head is just like, no, I want to judge everything. Don't eliminate the word cheat. I'm like, ha, I am going to eliminate it and I'm going to get cheetah, by the way. This is what I've learned after realizing how critical the judge in my head is, is that We have to be forgiving with ourselves. We have to be understanding with ourselves. We have to be flexible with ourselves, okay? So we can still be following a really awesome diet and we can eat something. And that doesn't mean that we're failing our diet, screwing up our diet. We don't have to be 100% perfect. If you go to a birthday party and you want a piece of cake and you make that choice, go eat that cake. And don't feel bad for it later or beat yourself up for it. So recently, since I started having like the really restrictive histamine diet, I started putting in 
some intentional deviations from my very strict diet that once a week when I go to the store, I am getting a freshly made sourdough roll (laughs) that they sell for 50 cents in the bread section. And it's a tiny little individual size roll. It's not like a big one or a whole package. It's just a 50 cents little individual size roll. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I want to eat it. Before I had problems with histamine, I used to give myself a daily indulgence of a little bit of dark chocolate, a couple of squares a day, 90% dark. Ooh, mm. yummy. At first it feels so bitter, but once you like accustom oh, you to adjust. it, you're like, this so is decadent. Just, oh, wow. <laughs> but chocolate is very high in histamine. So although I would love to eat chocolate, I'm not going to indulge in eating chocolate because for me, it's not... The consequences are too extreme. Like, I don't want to have a crippling migraine. So instead of the chocolate, I've decided to eat the sourdough roll. Now, I've mentioned many times I'm gluten-free, so I don't normally eat gluten. Is the roll the same as eating chocolate? (laughs) I think we all know the answer to that. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. But it still brings me a special treat, gustatory pleasure. That sounds so weird. (laughs) Gustatory. Or is it gustatory? Or is it goose? Oh, <laughs> and we've derailed. <laughs> what do gooses do? They honk? Yes. No, that's, no, a, that's a pig. <laughs> honk, honk. There you go. What a goose. Wow. A silly goose. That was actually kind of hard. It would might be hard to be a goose, but <laughs> who knows what it's like to be a goose. Probably easier. Probably than... geese. So I've decided to eat the sourdough roll. I'll be honest, when I get in the bread section, I really want the olive ciabatta. Oh, my favorite. Covered in rosemary and other spices and garlic. But guess what? That could also potentially kill me. <laughs> Literally. Thank all you, those olives, All those spices. <laughs> Therefore, I step away from that roll section and I go to the sourdough roll. So what have we learned from this? That one, I really am not able to eat the foods I want. And <laughs> so my point of my love affair with the sourdough roll is that I've intentionally picked something that I can enjoy that doesn't cause too many consequences in my body that I still find enjoyable. Not my first choice, but still an excellent choice. It helps me feel satisfied. It helps me feel fulfilled in my, it gives me something to look forward to. And I eat it without any guilt at all. Zero guilt. That roll may have gluten, but it is guilt-free. Oh, so it's (laughs) gluten-free? It's (laughs) gluten-free. Gluten-full, (laughs) gluten-free. If the roll was not gluten-free, then I wouldn't enjoy eating the roll. Maybe I would enjoy it a little, but as I'm eating it, I would be full with all these thoughts, these self-deprecating thoughts about how I'm breaking my diet, how I'm so weak, how I have no willpower, how I'm a failure at my diet. Like, there's no use for any of that language towards myself. And none of it is true. And second, the point of eating the roll is to enjoy myself. How am I supposed to enjoy something when I'm fretting over how terrible I feel for eating it? I think the point of all of this is to say that there is no such thing as a cheat meal or a cheat food. Every food you eat is part of your diet, is part of what you choose to eat. So when you choose to eat something that's in that 20% category, you're not cheating on something. That is just what is part of your diet. So you don't need to eat things in shame. You don't need to say, oh, I'm embarrassed because I had X food. No, that's just part of what your diet is. 
And when we don't involve ourselves in that narrative of these foods have guilt, these foods are naughty, these foods make me bad for eating them, then we free ourselves from having to feel like we shouldn't be doing something. We are free to make our own choices about what we put in our body, and we shouldn't feel shame for what we choose to eat or do not eat. So just make everything your diet. Nothing is a cheat. It's just all equally neutral. Nothing is bad. So I'll admit when I first decided to eat my sourdough roll once a week, I felt that it was a guilty pleasure. I felt that I was splurging. I felt that I was breaking my diet. I felt that I was having a cheat food. I felt all of that language that has really been incorporated in the way that we look at our foods as good or bad or right or wrong and have this like all these moral issues around our food. And I had to actively tell myself, okay, why am I making such a big deal out of a little piece of bread? And I had to realize that it doesn't matter that I ate this one piece of bread because I am what I do the majority of the time. So if you choose to be 80-20 or 90-10 or 99-1 or 70-30, you are what you do the majority of the time. So if the majority of the time you're saying no to dessert, and then once or twice a week you decide, you decide intentionally to have dessert, that doesn't mean you're not following the healthy diet. It's what you're doing the majority of the time. That's what's important. I also think it's really valid to point out that when you start doing this, you're probably not going to be 80-20. You're probably going to be 20-80, meaning 20 endo diet, 80 previous diet. Unless you jump in the pool <laughs> head first. And at first you may be, okay, like 100%, and then it might be like 99-100, 90-100. So there's going to be some deviation from that. But really, the point is, is that any incremental increase is a win. When it goes from 2080 to 2179, that's still a step in the right direction if your goal is to get towards following an endo diet. So why is this a goal? Why is following the endo diet a win? I think that's kind of the culminating question is we're not choosing to follow an endo diet to look fit or to have super awesome washboard abs. That's not the reason why we I'm do sorry. this Sorry, I just hard to like... <laughs> Can you imagine endo you, with super washboard you're just about you're like have a such severe endo belly like every single day like i'm a fit person but i have endo belly every single day not gonna have any washboard okay. abs with that endo belly no that that is never never happening i can draw them on for you with some makeup Ooh. <laughs> over your endo belly oh but over my t-shirt please yes <laughs> okay naturally so that's not the goal of these diets these aren't diets that are for physical appearance or something like that but those aren't the intention. The intention is that following a diet like this can bring you some relief from some of the symptoms that surround your endometriosis. And that is why it's a win. So when you notice that you might have less leg pain this month or you have less brain fog, those are massive wins because dealing with the symptoms that surround endometriosis are hard enough, never mind that they're accompanied by crippling pain. So the point of the endo diet and the reason why working towards an endo diet can have all these wins is because it can help make your quality of life just a little bit better. And that's really why it's important to celebrate 
when you're doing it and to not allow your brain and societal conversation to sabotage if you've made that goal. I think as we realize that food can trigger flares, many of us can develop an attitude of, oh, I'm making myself sick with my food choices. And I certainly felt this way for many years. Like I felt like I had this really heavy burden on my shoulders to prevent my endometriosis flares with what I was eating because I knew that if I ate this food or that food or this other food, that I would have an endometriosis flare. And I think that's where the guilt came in and that's where the pressure came in and that's where the responsibility came in and that's where that burden on my shoulders came in. I had to come to realize that it is not quote unquote up to me to prevent a flare. Why do I have flares? Because you have endometriosis. Rhetorical question. Duh, Brittany. (laughs) Everyone knows that. Okay. We have flares because we have endometriosis. We have flares because we have tissue resembling the uterine lining. We have endometrial-like tissue growing on different parts of our body, typically the pelvic region, causing a chain reaction of events in our body causing inflammation, causing irritation, causing digestive problems, causing the muscular structure of our pelvic core to distort in some cases. Distorted muscular anatomy. Ooh, Ooh, sounds like a Picasso painting. (laughs) All right, yeah. (laughs) But my point is, it is not up to us to prevent a flare We flare because we have endo. That is the reason why we flare. That is the reason why when we eat some trigger food, we have a flare. When our partner eats the exact same food as us, they are fine. They are dandy. They're whistling. They're talking about, oh, baby, wasn't that food so delicious? And we're on the... (laughs) We're like hunched over, like, give me my heating pad, possibly vomiting, possibly pooping ourselves. Most definitely pooping ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it is not our fault. And so if by choosing to eat a certain way, we can prevent a flare, I think we need to look at that as a win. So if I choose to prepare my dinner and I know that helps me have a little less pain, that is a win. But on the converse, if I don't choose to prepare my dinner that evening and I eat, let's say eat a takeout dinner, and that food makes me flare, I don't have to then conversely think, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I caused this flare, this is my fault. Because as we've established, we have endo, and it is not the burden on our shoulders to run around trying to prevent every single flare that we can. That is exhausting. That is unreasonable. That puts too much pressure on us to be perfect, to follow the hundred million thousand rules every single time. The truth, the ugly, disgusting, horrendous, smelly, dog-loving truth. (laughs) 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 Thank you. Is that we have endometriosis. It's awful and it sucks and it's terrible. But we have a disease that causes us to feel sick a lot. It is wonderful if we can, through our choices, prevent different flares, feel less pain, have less fatigue, have less brain fog. It is wonderful if we are able to make those choices. 
But the reality is we cannot make those choices every single hour of the day. We cannot always ruin our flares. And many times, even when we do make choices that are in our best interest that we think will prevent a flare, we still have a flare anyway. Lucky, lucky. Woo! And I think what has been really, really vital for me is understanding this truth. I have endo. Endo makes me sick. And so if endo makes me sick because it's been triggered by what I ate, it's been triggered by the air in the universe, that's not my fault. What it comes down to, it is not my fault. And so learning to just be okay with having flares, to be okay when, okay, I'm having a flare and I can't go out and stuck at home in the bathroom with my kitties. <laughs> Your worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Although when you're having a flare, it's not that Yeah, fun. when you're screaming you're like in pain, yes, running not. to the toilet, <laughs> not you're vomiting one. in a puke bucket. The cat's like, what's in this bucket? You're like, puke, baby. Do not do not go near that bucket. But they're you like, know they're still gonna. They're like, no, but I gotta sniff it. I just gotta, let me put a paw in. Oh, it's wet. Let me shake that paw. You're like, oh. no, don't shake that paw near my pillow. <laughs> Gets messy. But it is not our faults that we have endometriosis. Today, we talked so much about different limiting beliefs that we can have around changing our diet and our food choices and how it's wonderful to be intentional and how we don't want to judge ourselves or have negative self-talk or feel like a failure. And I think ultimately what all of it comes down to is it is so wonderful if you can empower yourself to make choices that you feel are better for you through your diet, which plays a very instrumental role in how we feel. But if you can't, but if you're not perfect, but if you decide to be 80-20 or 20-80, or you follow the diet and you still have flares anyway, which is extraordinarily frustrating, it's okay. You are not a failure. You are doing an amazing job, just as you are doing. If incorporating an endo diet into your treatment for endometriosis is what you've chosen to do, then hopefully confronting some of these self-limiting beliefs that we've covered here can help you towards that goal. If you're considering incorporating an endo diet in your treatment plan for endometriosis, then hopefully this has helped prepare you for some of the things you may face when it comes to getting started on that. So we hope that talking about these self-limiting beliefs and these negative self-talk has helped you to see some of the things that could cause us to give up before we've even started. And hopefully it can help you to keep chugging through towards your goal and towards incorporating this into your goals for endometriosis. And of course, we want to remind you that following a special diet, no matter what it is, can only help you to manage your symptoms, but it will not treat your endometriosis, nor will it remove it or diminish it. Okay, I know you just said it's not a treatment, but is eating kale, can that reduce the endometriosis lesions? No, it cannot celery juice nope a green smoothie every morning full of broccoli nope (laughs) also ew (laughs) also ew (laughs) so we're just wondering do you follow a special diet for endometriosis and if you do do you have any limiting beliefs around your diet these are some of the limiting beliefs that we've had to conquer over the years to really move forward in our endometriosis diet. And we're wondering, what are some of the self-limiting beliefs that either you're facing right now and you're battling 
sword to sword. Or maybe you've already confronted and gotten past them and you're like, hey, you're not true. Go away. We want to know what those are because not everybody has the same self-limiting beliefs or the same doubts. So it's really great to share them, which is why we wanted to share them. Some of the ones that Amy has are not the ones that I had and vice versa. So we can often help each other out when we have conquered a self-limiting belief ourselves or sometimes just telling somebody that is totally not true, you're totally capable, can help somebody to get out of that spiral of believing that seed of doubt they have. So sharing what your self-limiting beliefs were, what that negative self-talk was, can be really helpful to help each other. Or is, yes, can be really helpful for each other. If you're in the thick of it. Which sometimes you think you're out of the thick of it, and then one day you get back in the thick of it, which is also okay. <laughs> you're right. After I ate that bag of Oreos last week, I just kept slapping myself in the face, <laughs> and the cats were like, what are you doing, Mama! Mommy? And I was like, come here, baby, scratch Mommy's face. She's been very bad. And they're like, um. And then she called me up, and I said, stop using the word cheat, or I'm going to come over there and smack the word cheat out of your mouth. <laughs> and that, if you're wondering, is how I have the really long scar going from my forehead to my chin. <laughs> It's from a bag of Oreos. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you want to share, please share with us your limiting beliefs that you're facing. We are on Instagram at in16yearsofendo, and we are on the website in16years.com. You can connect with us there via email. Thank you so much for listening, for passing this time with us. We hope you go eat something delicious but guilt-free. All right, we'll talk to you next time. 